This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Remember, always be closing. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. This episode features part two of our interview with Corinne Sklar, CMO of Blue Wolf. On this episode, Corinne explains how to get buy-in on long-term marketing projects and why she thinks that every marketer could benefit from doing a stint in services marketing. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Let's switch gears here on to the content marketing and thought leadership side. I mean, obviously, this is something that we're super passionate about here at The Mission, and and Lauren and I talk a lot about on the podcast. How do you get buy-in? for these types of content marketing projects. When you're talking about, and I know it's evolved over the past seven years, but when you're talking about the state of Salesforce report and you're saying, you know what I'd like? I'd like X amount of people on our team to work on this thing for the next year. And it's gonna be a campaign that we do. And we're not gonna see you know, flash to bang on this for maybe a year and a half. How do you convince leadership? And obviously you had a really tight relationship with your CEO, so it might be a little bit more like, Crin, do whatever you do. But what would you what would be your advice to other CMOs that are trying to do similar audacious projects that might not directly impact next quarter's revenue, but you know, have this long tail that can be hugely profitable in the long term? I believe that a marketer who's looking to get buy-in and investment for pretty heavy content is about positioning it as part of their core brand. Mm-hmm. So for instance, the state of Salesforce for Blue Wolf is what we call an evergreen evergreen campaign. Yeah. So we run that program all year long. Yep. And we have a saying in Blue Wolf and we call it plucking the chicken. <laughs> and uh, I could tell the story about how that came about, but what we do is we pluck the chicken of state of Salesforce for every campaign that we run. We call it the whole buffalo theory. Whole buffalo, yep. pluck the chicken. And so for us, it's actually very efficient because we have our own data set that we have captured and we capture ongoing. So we've made it part of our infrastructure mm-hmm. to be able to be cost effective, but also get new fresh content and insights directly from consumers on an annual basis. So we have an incredible following of Salesforce customers who look forward to filling out our survey every year. We highlight them, we honor them. And you know, it really is about engagement of our of our incredible clients and the Salesforce ecosystem as a whole. It's not just Blue Wolf customers that engage in the survey. And I think that's such an incredible testament of People are spending a decent amount of time filling out a survey, which is work outside of their core job that they're excited about doing totally. and participating in. Like That's how you know that your thought leadership isn't some piece of fluff that no one cares about, that this is 
material and impactful, that's what thought leadership is supposed to be. This is what our customers say every year. So we launch it at Dreamforce, Mm -hmm. uh, Salesforce's annual conference every year. And they come and get the physical report, but then they want the digital copy Mm -hmm. because what we share at the end is visuals, the incredible graphic design that goes into this report that is done by the Blue Wolf design team provides these graphics to our customers. And especially especially during Q4, when people are trying to make budgets, get budget approval, you can benchmark yourself against others in the ecosystem. And so that it is a direct value to anybody who's trying to get more investment in Salesforce, Mm -hmm. understand what is best in class, governance, and not just about technology, on the soft stuff. The people things, right? That is, man, that is such a great insight. And by the way, we're going to link up the report in the show notes. It's such an important insight of like, help your customers learn how to buy your stuff. Teach them exactly what the market is doing, how other people are buying it, how they're budgeting it, how they're thinking about it. And that's like what State of Salesforce is like, hey, this is the guide to how to build your business better and ultimately like build it with IBM Blue Wolf. And I think so much of this goes back to this concept of how do you help your customers be successful and do better? And if all marketers come from a place of how do I add value to my customers? How do I help them solve problems and focus on that? You end up coming up with a great piece of content like the state of Salesforce. You build better products. You have higher NPS, higher value, ultimately higher customer lifetime value if you just start at that that sort of customer insight. I do think it's it's been incredible and we've we're so proud of it. And you know, Salesforce is becoming, you know, obviously it's the number one CRM platform out there, but it is also becoming a very large enterprise play and mm-hmm. platform for some of the largest companies in the world. And it's getting more complex. Mm-hmm. And if you actually look at the report, we cover all the clouds, but it's not about the technology. It's about what we've learned in the almost 20 years of doing this around what people need to be thinking about to build long-term success, to look at, you know, not just from a technology lens, but from a human lens. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I do think it fills a gap as organizations are, you know, continuing to scale on this very popular platform. I, in the beginning of the the podcast, you talked about going and not being a marketer that sits, you know, back of house, that going and sitting with customers and really spending time understanding them and their needs. How much of that do you think fueled the idea for this report and fueled what became uh, the state of Salesforce? Yeah. And how much, I mean, are you, do you have people on your team doing like customer interviews? I mean, like what, yeah, what level of like field work is being done on that thing? Huge amount of field work. work. There's a dedicated team. Um, Again, though, that dedicated team is responsible for fueling content to other campaigns. Totally. So the integration is Mm -hmm. incredible. Absolutely, we have a huge part of the report is covering the best companies, what we see as star, star use cases of companies getting the most value and business outcomes from the platform. So it is a full full production team, uh, you know, graphic design. It's got a field team. It has content writers. We have somebody who's developing campaign plans. And I think the to your earlier question around getting out in the field, 
I mean, absolutely. I think meeting with customers, meeting with my uh, you know incredible sales team and my leadership, and just being active in the business. Mm-hmm. I care and I'm interested and active in the business. I'm not just wearing a marketing hat. That allows the curiosity. And I think that is the thing I'm constantly trying to peak in my teams mm-hmm. to get them, you know, curious about what it is that we're doing and getting in the mind of our customers. And so I do think, you know, definitely being in the field is a critical part of why I think I've been successful. And I, I truly, truly believe that the best marketers are also the best business leaders, the marketers who don't just say, my job is to do X. I'm going to live in my lane and just do X. My job is to understand the business, what moves the business, what's important. And if you can do that both as an executive and push that in people that work for you, you get such a strong, such a strong group. And I think Salesforce is obviously very famous for this uh, with their Trailblazer program. But if you want to engage your marketers more who are sitting in offices and maybe not engaged with customers, get them to engage more with customers, get them to hear from customers directly. It really engages your marketers. It gets them more passionate about Mm -hmm. what they're doing. And so I think it's a a very big part of our culture as well. I I love that. And it should be not just your product marketing team who you think is the logical connection or maybe demand gen, but take a web producer who's building the website for your customers and have them talk to customers. And they'll not only get the the bit of customer empathy, but hopefully that will lead them to do their job better, be more excited and passionate and ultimately grow the company more. Exactly. Also, the website for the State of Salesforce report is beautiful and kudos to the team who built that. It's super simple. It's very clear. You know exactly what you're there to do. So stuff like that makes me excited because it's just, you can tell that it's well thought out. Like the entire process is well thought out. All the different details, like you said, the design, everything is created in a way that is authentic. Thank you. And shout out to the Blue Wolf marketing team. Yeah. And and I think that that authenticity allows you to do your, you know, pluck the chicken the entire year. We've talked about on the show a bunch of times and it is is a reminder to our audience that when you are sick of hearing your own stuff, that's when it's probably starting to hit your customers. And the thing that's so great about something like State of Salesforce every year is that when you put it out year after year after year after year, the person doesn't need to go download it today. They don't need to download it in six months or this year even. They could download it three years from now, but when they're ready to go download it, now it's always there. And that's that evergreen stuff that when you continually market this thing over and over and over again, there's so much power in growing over time. And people who get promoted into new roles, like, hey, I never needed to read this report back when in my old job, but now in my new job, I should probably go check it out. Like that sort of stuff is just such powerful marketing because you're not just pushing your products or you know, for you all, your services, you're just pushing towards this one piece of content. Like, hey, it's in there, go check it out. It's brand. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I'm a big believer in brand and B2B. I think it's it's under understood and underinvested. But a lot of what State of Salesforce does for Blue Wolf is specifically, and, you know, IBM IX is much broader than just our Salesforce practice, mm-hmm. but Blue Wolf equals Salesforce. 
And if I just walk away with that, I've already succeeded. It's really clear of how and why you've been at at Blue Wolf for so long and been successful for so long. I think your jet might be landing here sometime soon. <laughs> I hear it in that. Uh, it, it might be. Is it? Did you have it? Is it picking you up at San Jose or is it? Or is it? Oh no, there's a there's a private strip nearby. There's yeah, a private, I came okay. here on Bart, guys. Uh... <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> so. You started at Blue Wolf when they were doing about $3 million in revenue. They're over a billion dollars right now. I can count the number of marketers quite literally on one hand who've actually been at a company that's from $3 million to a billion dollars. This is incredibly uncommon. And I've it's funny, I've given presentations on and talked to founders about, here's the different types of marketers you need at different phases. You need this type of marketer that'll get you from zero to 10 million. You need this marketer who'll get you from 10 to 50. This marketer from 50 to pre-IPO. This marketer post-IPO. And it's this almost understood concept of no person can transition and do all these things. You need different people, different types of people. At certain points, the company will outgrow the marketer. The marketer will just have the wrong skill set. I love that you have proved me completely wrong on this and you have gone from 3 million to a billion and beyond and you are still going incredibly strong in this role and the roles that you're in. Um, I would love to hear how the role changed and evolved, how you were able to change and evolve and really just keep growing and having that degree of success. It's It's a great question and thank you. So I would say in the early days, there's one consistency I would say that is in very true from you know zero to a hundred, let's mm-hmm. say, and that is the focus on brand building. And I know brand can be maybe a bad word, but I think it's really understanding the power of brand, and that is another conversation. But all sales is about brand, mm-hmm. and so I do think. You know, even in the early organizations and startups, setting a foundation of brand and understanding that brand in a company, if you're in the same company, doesn't change that much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your brand is your brand. And getting to the cultural understanding of what you stand for, what your big vision is, whether it's a 3 million, 5 million, 50 million, 100 million. It's not going to change that much. I think Salesforce is a great example of that. I think Mark's vision in the early days, though it's changed, hasn't changed that much. Mm-hmm. And so my feeling is, you know, a foundation of brand is very important in the early stage companies and in late stage. Mm-hmm. So really understanding that foundation. I'd say in the early part of, you know, at a startup, you're really focusing on building team. You don't have the budget. You don't have, you can't go hire the, you know, 150K plus resources. And so- It really is about building a cultural team of people who want to do their best work Mm -hmm. and about being a leader who brings that out in them. And so I think it's it's really about, you know, enabling small teams in the early days and experimentation. And I know that's another big word that people talk about. I would say throughout that entire process in B2B, it's about sitting next to your VP of sales or your chief revenue officer. I've been very lucky that I sit literally next to him (laughs) and we shared an office for many years. But I do think it's, you know, the, I always looked at 
my role early on as I'm supposed to be marketing ourselves like we already are a billion dollar company. Mm -hmm. So the way I approached it then and to now and where we are and, you know, and continue to grow hasn't changed that much because I might have had less money and less global scale than I did back then, but the same approach of envisioning and starting to move in the direction of envisioning that 100 million billion plus organization is how I've always approached marketing. And so I've always been a big ambitious leader. You know, I I love going after the projects that are never been done before. Mm-hmm. I love the ones that are really edgy. Somebody always has said to me, I like to poke the bear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I want to go after those things because those are going to stand out and get noticed. So whether you're 3 million, 5 million, 100 million, you know, it's about looking for those projects. You might not be able to do 20 of them, but if you do one really good one, it's going to take you a lot farther. So, yeah, we talk about this all the time that it's wild how many marketers leave no room for exponential projects. Like if you don't have, I mean, when we talked to Beth Comstock, about what she was doing at GE and she was kind of like, hey, you know, our budget at GE is not as big as you would have thought it was, but you know, she still carved out 10 to 15% of her budget always for like pure experiments that had massive upside. And it's just so funny to me that like there's so many marketers that have no room in their portfolio for things that are things that could go, I mean, I, I don't say go viral because that's not the right connotation, but things that endure and things that last for a long time. And I think a lot of that comes from this fear-based approach because you know, I have to hit my target, I have to hit my number, I have to get results. I can't reserve 10% of my budget because what if it doesn't go right and then I lost this money and then and having that approach of fear-based and I see this in so many marketers and we've got this great uh, episode with Mateo coming up that talks about um, why market a CMO's tenure is so short. And part of it is the the lack of support from founders and the lack of understanding from a founder for what the marketer does. So then the marketer at a certain point flips from, I'm here to make change, I'm here to drive to, I'm here to keep my job yeah, because keep the lights on. I need to keep the lights on. And it's- I, I would love to comment on that real quick. Yes, please. So- not in even my, real quick. Well, you can, hey. This is a big thing in tech right now. Mm-hmm. So this is my position. So I've, in the years that I've been in this area, in this field, in this very innovative space, I see a common thing happening. Mm-hmm. And it is, if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. And there is a complete lack of understanding of go-to-market. Yep. Yep. And I love Salesforce for this. And I got to, you know, even though I've worked very closely, I've, I've worked with Marketo, I've worked with many other Eloqua in their early days. There is a, a lack of understanding around the importance. And what we need to do is we need to shift. We need leaders, CEOs to shift from thinking it's about your amazing product, which is important, mm-hmm. but it's really about the go-to-market. It's your sales and marketing mindset and sales and marketing driven CEOs that are going to be making the biggest difference and are going to be building the fastest growth companies. And so I I work a lot with organizations around, in my role, around go-to-market. 
no solution we bring to market inside of our business doesn't have a go-to-market first approach. Mm -hmm. And I rather, I was working with a woman in IBM recently, and we're working on, you know, the Apple partnership right now. And we're talking about, you know, the importance of just the enablement. Mm -hmm. Just because you build it doesn't mean they're going to come. Yep. And there, there is very much this mindset in tech right now of, as long as you've got a great product, that's all you need. And there are not all, but some of even the the incubators and the startup training grounds that will specifically tell founders they don't you don't really need marketing, just build a great product. Oh, it's crazy. And you know, you have that one that one example of where that happened, and we're making the anomaly the rule. And when marketing leaders come in, it is the uphill battle of no, no, respect my function. And all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what they do, how successful they are, what you do is easy. It doesn't matter. Uh, you deliver what you need. And then 18 months later, you are burnt out, exhausted, and hitting the door. I, I think you're going to see more CMOs become CEOs. We, yep. That is one absolutely. of our favorite topics. Yep. Me too. <laughs> But I, I think you will begin to see more of a move there. It's starting to happen more in consumer, obviously, yep. but uh, I think it will continue to happen more in, in B2B. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I find so funny about those conversations is that people are like, oh, well, we don't need to invest in marketing. It's like, oh no, you are already investing in marketing. It's just who is marketing for you? Mm -hmm. Is it you know, your 22-year-old SDRs, because that's who's marketing for you. That's who's controlling the conversation with customers. And not that, shout out to all my 22-year-old listeners out there. Um, this has <laughs> nothing to do with ageism, but- um, I love my SDRs. Yeah, but no, no. Absolutely, no. but, but, but someone, they're not the CMO. Yeah, someone is marketing for you, no matter no matter what you're doing. And and I think that that sort of idea is lost. There's a company that we, we interviewed, um, not for this show, for one of our other shows, Mission Daily, we used this product. It was literally horrible. It's a company that's raised a lot of money in the Valley. The product is horrible. We, we changed the product. And we internally, we were just like, man, they must have the absolute best go-to-market strategy because there's no way that they could win this much market share. And, you know, I mean, that's the, that's the downside. Hopefully they fix their freaking product. But <laughs> it's like, but this, that, that sort of thing, like companies absolutely win all the time with bad products. We're reading bunch of stuff from uh, Bill Gates and how Bill used to sell products that like didn't exist yet all the time. Like straight up, they would sell products and then they would go back and be like, hey, we got to build this thing. Again, like that stuff, it's not that far back in history and it's happening today every single day. The way that you do that is by empathizing with your customer and saying like, what is the actual thing that you need? And then building the thing for them, not building a product, refining it, refining it, refining it, sitting in the lab, and then launching it out in, into the world, into crickets. Well, you're right. I mean, you got to get things out there. And I mm -hmm. think speed and execution are critical, no matter what you're doing in marketing. You can have, you know, what is the, I forget who has said the saying, but, you know, execution eats strategy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm a huge believer in that. So back to your point around go to market, you also have to get, you got to get going. Yeah. Right? And no one's going to wait for your perfect product. Yep. And no get one's waiting out. for your product at all. Exactly. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. Um, 
last thing I you know want to touch on before we get into our uh, our Pardot pop quiz here questions that you haven't seen you've never seen before mm. I want to talk a little bit about project management um, which is something that you're passionate about clearly you've been doing a good job of of project management working with IBM Blue Wolf and doing a lot of the different things that you've been doing why do you think that there are inefficiencies in marketing project management and what are some ideas that you have of how we can all improve this? So a few uh, months ago, speaking at Uberflip's conference, Connects, and I, I just decided to ask the audience, you know, how many people, it's a marketing you know, audience, how many people in the audience actually have a PMP certification? No one raised their hand. Yeah, totally. And I'm not saying that is a certification you must have, but what I see is being in a services organization, it's all about on time, on budget, right? Mm -hmm. Scope, budget, time is all, all, all the things that can move. They can all move. And what I see is there's a diligence around project management in most agencies, in most consulting firms, because you have to do that. And it's something that is embedded in your culture. I think that's why you see a lot of MBA students that go into consulting because it really teaches you a lot about the diligence of business, right? Mm -hmm. And in most marketing organizations, there's really not a clear understanding of a deadline. Oh my the, goodness. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, I mean, the only time there is, is there is an event, event. or a product launch. Yep. If there's not an event or a product launch, right. There's so much slippage in time. And right. even with the product launch, there's slippage. The only right. time where there really can't be is like, an event. is there is an event. That's right. And so I believe that for us to continue to improve marketing, we need to improve the development around project management for marketers. And they're really, this is not a topic that's getting touched much. You know, we see agile as a focus, but I do think that there's significant value. And one of the things that we do is every, if you start at Blue Wolf or in IBM, you learn about the process of project management on the first day. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we actually, it was challenging. We couldn't find a tool out there that was dedicated to the type of B2B project management and marketing because there's not even really a, a great tool out there that mm -hmm. supports us. So we basically customized and built our own. Yeah. And so, you know, I can walk in and see everything that's going on. I can see my calendar. I can see who's working on what. I can see resource management. I can see where things are stuck. And it allows the visibility and transparency across every team member. And so I do think, you know, this idea of, you know, focusing on developing marketers around project management is something I really would love to see as a focus for our practice. And just the, I'm also moderately jealous that you have built your own tool to show this, and I may want to find some way to steal it, buy it, borrow it. Yeah, exactly but right. it's the- one Proprietary. Of the... You, gotta, you can license it. <laughs> there you go. License New it. revenue happy. stream for IBM. <laughs> We're happy we to go. go. Breaking news here. <laughs> <laughs> because one of the biggest things, especially when I run big orgs is, Who's on first? Who's working on what? What's blocked? Because what you tend to have is one or two linchpins in the organization, and you don't know that this is blocked because this person's off deadline or this has gone through 
too many revs or whatever it is. And that visibility at speed, agility, efficiency, and also as a marketing leader, just having that full grasp on what's going on is so, um, it's the moment of Zen in marketing. Yes, it is. I think it's super fascinating how many marketing organizations have the same like setup. And like we talked a bunch about it with Rob. Yes. Um, which was really fun to look at, you know, demand gen and field and all this sort of stuff. But I think that it's it's really interesting how this idea of like, you know, building teams around like a PM that has ownership of certain mm-hmm. things and like doing sprints and doing, you know, whether it's OKRs or stuff like that. But you we know, break the mold. I, I don't follow I, I mean I, I see because we're in delivery and we see all the different models, but we I don't look to my neighbor to see that is how I have to be organized. I look at what we're trying to achieve Mm -hmm. and I organize around that and we experiment and we change. And so the way I'm structured is probably a little different. And I spend a lot of my time working with CMOs around how they structure their teams. Mm -hmm. And so I do think it's, you know, for all the marketers and leaders out there, experiment. Don't just look to your neighbor. If you feel that you want to try to organize your team in a different way, Try it. Give it a shot. Right. We need to have you back to do a um, a full episode on just marketing team models and just break down like Corinne's like seven models for marketing leaders. I do SDR modeling around mm. inbound, outbound. I do. Yeah. So it's yeah. a very great topic. That would be fun. Okay. Final question um, before, oh, man, I always more more questions. You're involved in the Women Innovators Network. Can you share more about that and, and what's going on? Yeah, so really passionate about this. So me and one of my partners 10 years ago, uh, we noticed in our ecosystem that some of the most innovative projects out there were being driven by women. And we just started talking. We're like, let's get these women together. Mm-hmm. And these are some you know, very large enterprise and some you know, innovative mid-sized companies. And that was the genesis of the Women's Innovators Network. And now it's a global network. We run it you know, around the world. We're very excited that IBM IX is supporting that. Oh, awesome. I'm um, investing in that program. And uh, we host our annual event during Dreamforce. This year we did it at the Jewish Contemporary Art Museum. But I think the big focus of the program, and I really would love to you know, clearly lay out the, the purpose and mission is really focused on helping to get women from director to Mm C-suite. Oh, cool. That is the primary focus of the program. So it's not that, you know, we don't support, you know, women starting their careers, but what we have seen, especially in tech, is that there's more women graduating from college now than men. Mm -hmm. We see a massive influx of women coming into the workforce However, we're not seeing that transition into the C-suite. And it is definitely stopped. You know, it's stopped at that director level. And so what we're focused on, and I'm really uh, proud of the work Michelle Peluso has done. She did an article last year for Forbes magazine talking about, which I'm also very passionate about, which is saying, we cannot sit here and talk about what women need to be doing more. It's not about being, you know, just, you know, speaking up more and being more assertive and confident. And yes, those are very important things. It's actually, we've got to be working with men and men hold these positions and we're only going to get there if we can build a dialogue and a bridge and mentorship and coaching and bring men along. And so 
the work we've been doing over the last year, which is a program called Men as Allies, where all of our programs now include men and women. And we're actually doing a training in San Francisco around coaching men around how to mentor and guide women into executive roles. And so I'm really passionate and proud of this work. And I think you know it, it's great for business and it's great for our workforce because we we constantly are looking for skilled workers. <laughs> so, you know, we've got to do our part to to improve that diversity. Absolutely. So, we're definitely getting you on another episode to talk about what we can do to get women more women from director to C level. So, this is the you heard it first. We're All bringing right. you back for this. Excellent. Yeah, we're just booking your calendar out. Um, <laughs> it's cozy down here. So, it's nice here. We'll, we'll link up uh We'll link that up in the uh, in the show notes as well, so that right, people can you. find that. Okay, let's get into the Pardot Pop Quiz. Thanks to our friends at Pardot, our amazing sponsor of Marketing Trends, who we love very much and who we use as a product. So, first question: What's the favorite book you've read recently? My favorite book that I have read recently would be Lincoln in the Bardo. It's a, it's a interesting fictional book, but I have a real passion for presidents. <laughs> <laughs> I've read all the biographies and, you know, Lincoln's biography. So I love anything to do with Lincoln, but I would say that's my latest favorite book. Yeah, I go with that one. What app are you using on your phone that's the most fun? I love fashion and I love the Vogue app that tracks all the latest runway that comes out. Cool. And I I think fa- I'm a huge lover of design and fashion. And so I love seeing the new runway shows that come out and what creative artsy couture things are coming out. So that, I'm going to go with that one. That's great. None and of these are marketing one. apps, by the way. That's nor, right. nor should they be. We, we are all whole people. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> What's the worst advice you've ever gotten? Oh man, I've been so lucky to get such good advice. So I would say the worst advice that I've ever I've ever received is to just sit and not say anything. That's terrible advice. That's really bad advice. What about um what's your advice for a first-time CMO? Can I give two pieces yeah, of advice? Fire. You can give uh, as many as you want. I think the first thing would be go out in the field. Interview your reps, your leadership, and really understand their business, especially if you're coming into that business new. Building a ground of, of curiosity with that leadership. I would say understand the MarTech stack. You know, If you're not a CMO that's a technical marketer, try to be really understand from how a campaign goes from beginning to end. Yeah. Because getting to execution in your 30, 60, 90 days, you got to show impact. And Mm -hmm. so understanding what value is, what your low-hanging fruit is, and then how you're going to execute. Do you have a favorite follow on social media? Gosh, I really should be way more prepared with these questions. that's why it's a pop quiz. I know, and I'm not doing well with this one. Um, who, who do I like to follow follow on social media? I'm gonna go. I'm a news junkie, so I love the New York Times Daily, and so 
I'm just going to say that one. What about your favorite or your ad campaign that you've seen recently that you're the most envious of? Oh my gosh, I'm going to be super geeky on this one because everybody's going to say it. I don't spend a lot of time, I hate to say it, like, I mean, I follow graphic design, a design, advertising, yes, but I'm going to say I loved the Nike campaign mm-hmm. because once you saw the revenues that were generated by that risk, what I loved about it was the risk. It's the risk and it's know your target audience and yep. it's know your future. Totally. And and, I, and, and the revenue proved it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just, it was brilliant. So I, I would have to give kudos to Nike on that one. And then final question. Yeah. What is the thing you're most excited about in the future of marketing? I think the continued focus around you know, data and AI. I think we're just at the beginning and I'm you know, really excited because I work for IBM and they're a leader in AI with Watson and how we're applying it to marketing, which is still very new. And so I do think that absolutely we're about a people business we're about creativity and you know it's the art and science but i think marketers are overwhelmed with data and we need to make it easier for them to gain insights totally. to make action and i think ai is in its very early days for marketing but i think very exciting things are coming great last words anything else for us any any anything else that you can think of Thank you guys for just having a great conversation and having me on the show today. This was fantastic. It was our pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences so you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster, and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. 
Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.